From Hollywood, it's Out of My Mind. I'm Jay Douglas, and in episode 26, the story that got the most attention from baby boomers like you who are relentlessly curious about everything. It's the top Out of My Mind story of 2015. And after the story, stay tuned for news of what's going to happen in 2016. But first, episode 26 of Out of My Mind begins with number one. In 1955, NBC President Sylvester L. Weaver, better known as Pat, thought he was solving a major problem. Instead, he created a cultural icon that most baby boomers not only remember, but remember fondly. This is the story of Pat Weaver's radio folly. This is the story of Monitor. Stand by, Ready with San Quentin. Okay, hello, Walter McGraw. Good, be with you in a minute. Okay. This is Monitor and Walter Kiernan at NBC's Radio Central. WWJ Detroit and Carl Cedarberg. For that story, Monitor goes to Davenport, Iowa, and now a late bulletin, International News Service Taking report. Taking a look at the Monitor baseball scoreboard. Birdland, Unchained Melody. Here's a bird that just landed, our television monitor, Henry Moore. Right now, this is Monitor going places and doing things. Take Again one. to the Blue Note in Chicago this time, and the... Out of the embers in New York and the monitor music of Jack Elliott trio. And now to the United States Weather Bureau in Washington. Your monitor takes you now to Walter McGraw and San Quentin Prison. Come in, J- Jim Cahill, and tell us where you are and how goes the fight. monitor goes now to Hamburg, Germany. Right now, the man who made Drudel a household term, Roger Price. To the Palladium in Hollywood and the monitor music of Les Brown. In Detroit, negotiations to avert a General Motors strike continue now, for an this is Ben Brower. Walter Carradine. Morgan Beatty. And Miss Monitor. All of us saying good night. All of that occurred in the last hour of the first day of Monitor Radio in 1955. It began, as all hours did, with the somewhat techy, somewhat eerie sound of the Monitor Beacon. And it continued at that frenetic pace for 20 years. Every weekend, Monitor used the technology of the day to span the globe and also to pull it together. That may not have been Weaver's intention. He was looking for a way to save NBC Radio, because NBC needed the money from radio to fund its new television network. Weaver hoped to extend the life of the NBC Radio Network by a few more years. His critics called him crazy. Everything he did at NBC, uh, people thought, you're crazy, it will never work. Remember, at first, he opened up the morning hours with the Today Show. Television networks did not broadcast from 7 until 9 o'clock until Pat Weaver put on the Today Show in 1952, and everybody thought he was crazy. Who's going to watch a show in the morning? Well, as it turns out, everybody was going to watch that show in the morning, and it became the number one show in the morning very quickly and stayed there for decades. Then he opened up late night with The Tonight Show in 54. People said, that's never going to work. You know, local stations run, they do their 15 minutes of news if they do news at all, and then they run their local movies in black and white. Who's going to watch... Steve Allen, hosting 105 minutes of this show out of New York called The Tonight Show. Who in the world cares about that? And as it turned out, The Tonight Show's been number one forever. That's Dennis Hart. He's retired now, but he spent 40 years in radio and television broadcasting. And it all started with Monitor bringing a part of his world together. I didn't communicate very well with my dad. He didn't communicate very well with me. But the one thing we both agreed upon was that we loved Monitor. And we listened to that show together. In the car, he'd have it on in the garage, at our house. Dennis was so captivated by Monitor that after leaving grad school, he wrote the definitive book about the show. But let's get back to Pat Weaver's crazy idea for a moment and why it captivated not only Dennis, 
but a nation that was poised to leap into the age of computers and information. Here was this incredible show that was more exciting than anything that was on TV because it was live and television wasn't. It kept you involved and instantaneously informed with what was going on in the world. Television was not equipped to do that. It could not go live instantaneously. Monitor could. So as excited as we are now, we talk about how people are changing the way they get information now, going away from the printed page to online. Well, here was Monitor. And so if you wanted to be entertained, if you wanted to be informed, Monitor was really the only place you could do it. In a strange way, but you can make the tie-in, it was the Internet of its day. The Internet of its day? Well, like the Internet, it offered a constant flow of information that you could access whenever you wanted to and wherever you were. And like social media does today, Monitor helped tie scattered groups together into a community, with everyone hearing the same stories at the same time from their radios. You could tune in at 17 after the hour, at 33 after the hour, at 14 to the hour, and hear something different. Hear something new. And if you didn't like what you were listening to, you could just wait a couple of minutes and something different would come up. So I think Monitor became perhaps our first portable radio show just at the very moment when transistors were becoming portable for people to take places. In other words, people were no longer tied to their radios in the living room. For Weaver, Monitor did what he knew it would do. It turned around the fortunes of NBC Radio. Bear in mind that Nielsen could not measure uh, radio audiences in automobiles. By Monitor's third weekend on the air, it was the number three radio program in the country in drive time, uh, weekend drive time, uh, four until six o'clock, four until seven. That wasn't counting anybody listening on the radio in their cars. This was at home listening. By the third weekend on the air, the fourth weekend on the air, Monitor is 97% sold out. The weekend before it went on the air in June of 1955, the entire NBC radio network schedule had two sponsored programs, only two. What did people think of this 1955 internet? It doesn't take much to figure out that if sponsors like the show, it must mean that's where the listeners were. It reached 30 million people in the mid-1960s in a country of... 180 million. One out of six Americans listened to Monitor every weekend. The top-rated syndicated show in the country right now is Rush Limbaugh's, and he reaches about 14 million on a weekly basis in a country of 315 million. So think about Monitor. 30 million people in a country of 180 million. That's unbelievable. Monitor began broadcasting all day Saturday and Sunday for a full 40 hours a weekend. Eventually, NBC pulled that back to 16 hours. And then, in January 1975, the monitor beacon went silent. It fell victim to too many forces. NBC television was no longer in need of money from the radio division. Television could go live almost as quickly as radio. Radio stations were into playing music and weren't interested in being the Internet of their day. Still, Monitor, in its 20-year run, matched pop music, rock and roll, disco and talk formats stride for stride. An incredible feat of broadcasting that will never be matched. To me, here's the real proof of the show's lasting impression. Dennis has put as many of the old monitor shows as he could get his hands on onto CDs. And then... When I drive into a gas station on a Saturday afternoon, I will have my windows down, and I'll be playing monitor very loudly. More than once at a gas station here in California and elsewhere across this country... I will have people come up to me who are filling their tanks with gas, and they'll say, 
I haven't heard that sound in years, especially if it's the monitor beacon. God, I love listening to that show. Is that back? And I have to tell them, it's back only for me. And that brings to a close episode 26 and Out of My Mind for 2015 in a most fitting way with the story of the show that inspired the podcast. Once again, I'm grateful to Dennis Hart for making the story possible. You know, in the past six months, I've had wonderful correspondence with listeners like you. I've, I've met some amazing people, and I've heard some amazing stories, some of which I've yet to tell. Unfortunately, no matter what I tried, the show hasn't garnered the audience it needs to attract a sponsor so we can go more places and tell more stories. I don't know why the show hasn't caught on, but whatever the reason, I've decided to put the podcast on hiatus until I can return with one that appeals to more listeners. But wait, there's good news. I'll be continuing the stories I've told on the show on the Out of My Mind blog. If you subscribe to our newsletter, you'll automatically get the new stories every week. If not, this would be a good time to visit the theoutofmymindblog.com and sign up now to enjoy the benefits of becoming a charter subscriber. That's theoutofmymindblog.com. These is part of the name. And you can find all of the details there. I'm Jay Douglas. I'll talk to you on the Out of My Mind blog beginning Tuesday, January 12th, 2016. On behalf of myself and my producer, Penny Summers, thanks for being a loyal listener and accept our wishes for a happy, healthy, and prosperous new year. Out of My Mind is a production of the Theater of Your Mind, Incorporated, Hollywood, California.